0: book is. It's just a collection of Puritan prayers and devotions. and This is called The Source of All Good. O Lord God, who inhabitest eternity, the heavens declare thy glory, the earth thy riches, the universe is thy temple, thy presence fills immensity. Yet thou hast of thy pleasure created life and communicated happiness. Thou hast made me what I am and given me what I have. In thee, I live and move and have my being. Thy providence has set the bounds of my habitation, and the wisely administers all my affairs. I thank Thee for thy riches, to me in Jesus, for the unclouded revelation of Him and thy word, where I behold this person, character, grace, glory, humiliation, sufferings, death, and resurrection. give me to feel a need of His continual. Saviorhood. And cry with Job, I am vile. With Peter, I perish. And with the publican, be merciful to me, a sinner. Subdue in me the love of sin. Let me know the need of renovation as well as forgiveness in order to serve and enjoy Thee forever. I come to Thee in all prevailing name of Jesus with nothing of my own to plead, no works, no worthiness, no promises. I often, I am often straying, often knowingly and opposing thy authority, often abusing thy goodness. Much of my guilt arises from my religious privileges, my low estimation of them, my failure to use them to my advantage. But I am not careless of thy favor or regardless of thy glory. Impress me deeply with a sense of thine omnipresence, that thou art about my path, my ways, my lying down,
1: and my end. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father,
0: we thank You for Your goodness, Your greatness, Your mighty acts, Your power. We thank You for the Sabbath, the day You've set apart from six days of labor that we may come and worship Your name and praise You and enjoy You with each other, this body. Lord, I pray for You to open ears, soften hearts, and we hear your words today. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So the text today is Psalm 145, 1-10, through 10, and we'll read that here in just a little bit. Uh, but just again, <clears throat> I'm filling in for the pastor, so we can have grace with my words and maybe my thoughts, and understanding.
1: It's an honor and privilege to be up here to preach his word. I take this very seriously.
0: So, again, show me grace. And uh, the title of this, God is Great, God is Good. And this may be a very, very familiar phrase. Was anyone brave enough to finish this? God is great, God is good. And I thank you for our food. Let us thank him for our food. Or let, him th- let us thank you. Thank him for our food. And maybe some of us used to pray this before your meal, or like I used to when I was a little tyke, a little one. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. And maybe some young people pray this now in your family, which is okay. But just a while ago I thought about that small prayer, and like, it's not very deep. You know. But the more I thought about it, the more I looked at Psalm 145 today. You know, I stopped and thought about it more. And the great truth and the praise is in that short prayer. God is great. God is good. These are attributes of God in which He is worthy to be praised. Worthy to be lifted up, to be set on high, to be exalted. And this little prayer encompasses it all. Then we say, Thank you for our food. Such a common substance that is ever so plentiful to us, and many times disregarded or forgotten, that is by God's goodness, God's good hand, that we have this food set before us on our table to enjoy. The word good is so commonly used today for so many things good food, good friends good dog good book good friend good child good dinner good movie a good time i had a good week i had a good vacation but now think with me the more think with me more about why and how we use the word good typically we label something good when it gives us of some value or some some benefit to our lives
1: You see, men spontaneously praise what they value
0: or find good. Oh, the world loves praise of sports figures, movie stars, cars, praising their mistresses, their favorite poet, spectators, praising their favorite game, weather, wines, dishes, actors, motors, horsepower, horses, colleges, historians, children, flowers, mountains, and the like. Now think about how we give praise. We speak to it or we speak about it, that thing that we find good. We declare it as good. Oh, what a good dog you are. How many times have we said that? Dog owners. Oh, yes, that movie
1: was good. We typically declare it to another person as well. That was some good food. Did you go to such and such restaurant? When we do this, when we declare it, when we speak it,
0: this can be considered outward praise, which completes the enjoyment of the thing that is good. Because think about it, when you just when you hold that in, when there's something good and you're not speaking it, there's, there's not, you're not really completing that enjoyment. You, you, you want to
1: share it with someone, don't you? That's the good news of the gospel. As one pastor, uh, Dan Kruper, put it,
0: Praise doesn't merely express the enjoyment, but it completes the enjoyment.
1: It is its appointed consummation. So let me ask you some simple questions. Would you enjoy hearing about
0: a vacation, or actually going on a vacation? You don't have the answer. Okay. Would you enjoy a fast car, merely looking at it? We're actually driving it and experiencing its G-forces around the tight turns. Would you enjoy a scrumptious, moist brownie if you never have to taste it? No, of course not. May I say it's the same case for enjoying the goodness of God. Look at Psalm 34, 8-10. It says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. How can we expect to enjoy something if we don't understand the magnitude of its goodness? How can we expect to enjoy the goodness of the Lord unless we know him? I want to convince you today that the more you know God, the better you understand his abundant goodness, his tender mercies, his loving kindness, his wonderful works. Then the more you will love his laws, the greater your desire will be to obey him, the greater you will delight in him. The greater you'll trust in Him, therefore the greater your peace and your comfort, and ultimately you will seek to glorify Him more in all that you do. You see, if we are to glorify God in whether we eat or drink, or whatever we do, very common verse people know, First 1 Corinthians 10.31, then we must know God in order to glorify Him. And we know God by what he has revealed to us in the Holy Scriptures. The Scriptures are sufficient. So we need to know God. What is God? Westminster Shorter Catechism answers, God is spirit, infinite, eternal, unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. This is what we praise God for. You see, the praise of God is the reflexive reaction to the telos, or in purpose of life, which is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Praise of God is the expression of the inner enjoyment of the being of God, of the character of God, of the omniscience of God, and of the graciousness of God, and the goodness of God. And Psalm 145 shows us the reflexive reaction of a response to God's goodness. So if you're able, would you please stand with me? As we read Psalm one forty five, one through ten. Psalm one forty five, one through ten. This is the uh, NSAB version. I will extol you, my God, O King. For your little ones, extol means be set on high, be lifted up, be exalted. I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and I'll praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and highly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. Well, other versions, incomprehensible. It's unfathomable. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty, and on your wonderful works, I will meditate. Men shall speak of the power of your awesome acts. And I'll tell of your greatness. They shall eagerly utter or celebrate the memory of your abundant goodness. And will shout joyfully of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and great in loving kindness. The Lord is good to all in his mercies or compassion. Are over all his works. All your works shall give thanks to you, O God, and your godly ones or saints shall bless you. you. May be seated. So Psalm 145 praises God by celebrating his praiseworthy attributes in his deeds or his works. Or in other words, it praises and magnifies him for who he is and what he has done or is doing for us. Presently doing. God is good, and all that
1: he is is good, and all that he does is good, A.W. Pink writes. Also, all that emanates
0: from God, his decrees, his creation, his laws, his providences could not be otherwise than good, as is written. And God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. There are many different ways theologians have categorized God's goodness. Some, like Puritan Stephen Charnock, have dedicated 150 pages of his 1,150-page book. You hear that? It's like over a 1,000 pages. And out of that, the attributes, it's 150 pages just on alone on his goodness. For theologian Millard Erickson, holiness, righteousness, justice, faithfulness, benevolence, grace, and mercy are in the goodness of God. Theologian John Frame has some similar and more holiness, righteousness, justice, patience, love, grace, mercy, compassions, jealousy, wrath, beauty, perfection, and blessedness fall under God's goodness. And I only say this because I want you to know I feel inadequate trying to explain explain God's goodness in 30 to 40 minutes. So all I can do is attempt to give you a small bite, a little nugget, and that we as a body will go
1: from here and seek out to know his goodness the rest of our days. So in this passage,
0: we see six attributes of God. His abundant goodness, his greatness, his righteousness, his grace and mercy, His loving-kindness. And for the sake of time and understanding, I'm not directly going to discuss greatness, because this is a distinctive attribute in and of itself. So we'll focus mainly on goodness, which encompasses the remaining attributes. So first, looking at God's abundant goodness, think about all what He does for us. We can exuberantly praise God because of His grace and mercy and salvation. Paraphrasing A.W. Pink, the goodness of God is seen in that when man transgressed the law of his Creator, a dispensation of wrath did not at once occur. We weren't all wiped out. God could have deprived his fallen creatures of every blessing, every comfort, every pleasure, but instead he ushered in a regime of mixed nature of mercy and judgment. We were reckoned in Jesus Christ to be a saint, righteous in God's eyes through Christ, God is merciful and good. It is the most extraordinary blessing you will ever receive, that he recognizes you to be a saint, no longer a stranger, but set apart and adopted into his household. What a beautiful thing. And this alone shall cause us to shout out joyfully. Two, the goodness of God is seen in a variety of natural pleasures. The goodness of God is seen in a variety of natural pleasures. E.N.A.W. Pink writes, God has not only given us senses, but also that which gratifies them. Think about the senses. Tasting, feeling, seeing, hearing, and others. Our physical lives could have been sustained without beautiful flowers to regale our eyes with their colors and our nostrils without their sweet perfumes. We might have walked the fields without our ears being saluted by the music of birds. Oh, the sweet smells of fresh, fresh baking bread. Or a thick steak on the grill. Oh, the relaxing sounds of nature. The calm ocean waves with a babbling brook. Oh, the distant thunder and gentle rain falling outside your window as you lie in bed. There are endless natural pleasures that the Lord has blessed us with. Look at the hymn, How Great Thou Art, as it reflects this very well. O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder, consider all thy works thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the mighty thunder, the power throughout the universe displayed. When through the woods and forest glades I wander, I hear the birds sing sweetly in the trees. When I look down from lofty mountain grandeur, excuse me, and hear the brook and feel the gentle breeze, then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. And this is the reflexive reaction of a response to God's goodness. This is why we eagerly utter the memory of His abundant goodness, and we will shout joyfully of His righteousness. Stephen Charnock writes, God only is infinitely good, a boundless goodness that knows no limits, a goodness as infinite as His essence, not only good, but best, not only good, but good itself, the supreme, unconceivable goodness. All things else are but little particles of God, small sparks from His immense flame, sips of goodness
1: to this fountain." three, God's loving kindness. In Psalm seventeen seven, David prays,
0: Show me your marvelous loving kindness by your right hand. O you who save those who put their trust in you. Quoting AW Pink again. Marvelous it is that the one so infinitely above us, so inconceivably glorious glorious, so unspeakably holy, should not notice such worms of the earth, but also set his heart upon them, give his son for them, send his spirit to indwell on them, and so bear with their imperfections and waywardness, never to remove his loving kindness from them. O oh, the Lord had and has compassion on us sinners. Ephesians two, twelve and thirteen. I love this. Remember that you were at a time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope. We had no hope. Had. Without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly, or who formerly were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Nothing but the blood of wonderful hymn. God gave his only begotten son to us. While we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. He pardoned us from damnation, wiping away our sins for the regenerate. He declared us righteous by imputing Christ's righteousness to us. Oh, what a beautiful eternal covenant and loving work of our Lord. And what shall be our response to this divine work? Three responses. One leads us to obedience. Sorry if you don't like A.W. Pink, but I'm quoting him again. (laughs) The more we are occupied with God's goodness, the more careful we will be about our obedience. The constraints of God's love and grace are more powerful to the regenerate than the terrors of His law. The constraints of God's love and grace are more powerful to the regenerate than the terrors of His law. How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God! Therefore, children of men, put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. Psalm 36.7 Two, it comforts us. Again, this is our response to this divine work. It comforts us. The goodness of God is the life of the believer's trust. It is this excellency in God which most appeals to our hearts because His goodness endures forever. We ought never to be discouraged. Nahum 1, seven says, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and He knows them that
1: take refuge or trust in Him. Three leads us to worship. This is a short one. It's because thy lovingkindness is better than life.
0: My lips shall praise thee. Psalm 119.76. So those are the three responses under that. And then we back to the bigger, I guess, four, if you would call it. Number four. I'm looking at verse 9 on this. The Lord is good to all, and his mercies are over all his works. The Lord is good to all. C.H. Spurgeon writes, He allows his fiercest enemies to live. He even supplies them with food and smooths their way with many comforts. For them the sun shines as brightly as if they were saints and the rain waters their fields as plentiful as if they were perfect. Is not this goodness to all? You see, there are streams of goodness in all the dispensations of his providence. Spurgeon goes on. As he is good, so he does good. He is good to all, to all his creatures, from the highest angel to the meanest worm. To all, but devils, and damned sinners that have shut themselves out from His goodness. Oh, His tender mercies are over all His works, His justice, His righteousness, His mighty acts are all good.
1: Oh, great is the Lord and highly to be praised. Number five, looking at verse 10. All
0: your works shall give thanks to you O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. Again, gratitude or praise is the return justly required from the objects of his beneficence. Gratitude or praise is the return justly required from us from the objects of his beneficence, our Lord. It is often withheld from our great
1: benefactor, which is God, simply because his goodness is so constant and abundant. Our praise is often withheld simply because His goodness is so
0: constant and abundant. Stephen Charnock writes, Those things which are so common, they cannot be invisible to our eyes or go unregarded by our minds. We forget His goodness in the sun when it warms us, in the showers while they enrich us, in the corn that nourishes us, in the wine while it refreshes us. We have so many blessings in life. Freedom, health, food, roof over our heads, rain, green grass, children's protection,
1: but it's not really appreciated unless it's lost or threatened. For example, you'd imagine if we didn't see the stars again for fifty years. It's just
0: you know, black, black sky, and all of a sudden they reappeared. It'd be like bah you know. But we look up at it now, it's just it's just a common thing. Almost well, no stars at night. There's a couple stars. But man, how breathtaking it would be. The blessings of rain are not appreciated unless we have been through a long drought. We complain of rain when it's too much. It's dry and hot. My God, give me some rain. The corn starts struggling up. you know. Then we pray for it. Prosperity is not appreciated until we struggle financially. We are not thankful for abundant health until we experience sickness. Martin Luther writes, We often exhibit a degree of thankfulness in life in reverse proportion to the amount of blessings we received. Again, we often exhibit a degree of thankfulness in life in reverse proportion to the amount of blessings we receive. The greater God's works or gifts, the less they are regarded. That's strange. Or noticed. But it is here when our constant and abundant provisions are threatened, or in affliction, it is here that we turn to God and cry out like David. Maybe we turn back. To God. But in, in Psalm 69, 1-2, David cries out, Save me, O God, for the waters have threatened my life. I have sunk in deep mirror, and there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters, and flood overflows me. And at this point, it is at this point that we remember God. We, we begin to refocus and remember His abundant blessings. It is here we must fill our hearts with his goodness and remember. And speak of his awesome deeds and declare his righteousness. Oh, the Lord is gracious and merciful. The meals, the pleasures, the possessions, the sunshine, the rain, the sleep, the health, the safety. Everything that sustains life is a divine gift from God. Count your blessings. Perhaps when you are prone to grumble or feel sorry for yourself, refocus. Turn your focus to God's graciousness, his goodness. Name your blessings one by one and you will be reminded that God is gracious, righteous, and good. He is steadfast in love. God is faithful and kind in all his works. He is near to all that call upon him. May this be
1: a comfort and hope.
0: And that is why, as in verse 2 it says, Every day I will praise thee. Every day, whatever the character of the day, whatever the circumstance and conditions during the day, we will continue to glorify God. Not a day shall pass without praising His abundant goodness. Every day. Oh, beloved, we fall so short. We have emotional roller
1: coasters because we fail to stay fixated on His goodness. We fail to declare His greatness. We fail to speak of His awesome acts. And of his loving kindness.
0: Our conversations fail to declare his mighty works. We forget so quickly, but why? So I'm going back to verse five. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wonderful works, I will meditate. Meditate here simply means to engage in contemplation and reflection, remembering, spending time thinking or pondering upon this goodness. When we fail to meditate or spend time thinking about the glorious splendor of His majesty and His wonderful works, this is when forgetting begins and praise of God ends. When we forget to privately adore the Lord in prayer, this is when forgetting begins and praise of God ends. And there we'll look at two main consequences to this forgetting. First consequence, when we privately fail to continuously think upon His goodness, then the cares of this world or lusts of our flesh... The boastful pride of life begins to shift our praise. We are pulled to the things of this world, and we begin to seek enjoyment in all things but God. Then we forget. And we are not diligent in our praises to God. And the daily act of private prayer is hurried over, or gone through without heart. These are the kind of downward steps by which many a Christian descends to a condition of spiritual palsy, or reaches the point where God allows him to have a tremendous fall. A.C. Ryle. Therefore, we must be diligent to praise Him in our daily, private acts of prayer, in our thoughts, in our conversations. Second consequence. When we fail to declare and speak of His goodness, the next generation forgets. Paraphrasing John Stout, author, author of uh, favorite Psalms. Because the Lord's greatness is unfathomable, He is worthy of our praise, an unceasing praise. And that is why we perpetuate this praise by declaring His greatness to future generations, to children. We declare His mighty acts, His wonderful and awesome works, and His great deeds. Again in verses 4, 6, and 7. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Men shall speak of the power of your awesome acts. And I will tell of your greatness. They shall eagerly celebrate the memory of your abundant goodness and will shout joyfully of your righteousness. It is the duty of every generation to pass on their knowledge of his ways to the next. We must raise children and young people that, who are on a fire for the Lord and for the gospel. We need young people that eagerly shout joyfully of His righteousness. We must raise up a generation whose hope is fixed on the almighty God of the universe who expressed passionate enjoyment of His person and exuberant praise. That is our goal. Look at Israel as they tested God again and again. They forgot God's awesome deeds the miracles that he had shown them. They didn't remember his power. I'm looking at Psalm 78, uh, various verses through here. Five, through seven, or 5 and 7, 10 through 20, and 41 through 42. Psalm 78. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should teach them to their, to their children that the generation to come might know, even the children yet born, that they may arise and tell them to their children that they should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. In verse 10 through 20, they did not keep the covenant of God, and they refused to walk in His law. They forgot His deeds and His miracles that He had shown them. I mean, think about the miracles that Israel saw that they could tell and speak of to their children, to the generations to come. Start here in 12. He wrought wonders before their fathers in the land of Egypt, in the field of Zoan. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through. He made the water stand up like a heap. Then he led them with a cloud by day and all night with a light of fire. Can you imagine seeing that in the sky? How could you forget He split the rocks in the wilderness and gave them abundant drink like the ocean depths. He brought forth streams also from the rock and caused waters to run down like rivers. Yet they still continued to sin against Him, to rebel against the Most High in the desert. In their heart they put God to the test by asking food according to their desire. Then they spoke against God. They said, Can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Behold, he struck the rocks. The waters gushed out and streams were overflowing. And they said, can he give bread also? Will he provide meat for his people? The whole 78 is just just wonderful greatness and deeds of his works. So I'm I'm going to 40 and 42 here. For time's sake. How often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Again and again they tempted God and pained the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember His power. They did not remember. They forgot. They forgot forgot God's awesome deeds, the miracles that He had shown them. They didn't remember His power, His loving kindness, His abundant goodness to them. So we must not forget. Remind yourself constantly by reading the Scriptures, praying, conversing with others about God's greatness, His faithfulness, His loving kindness, His awesome power.
1: May I say that one sermon a week will not suffice you. You need more. So next, what are the blessings of remembering His goodness?
0: Bear with me, I'm almost done. What are the blessings of remembering His goodness? Joy, comfort, peace, happiness, contentment, confidence. Look at Psalm 16, 1, 8, and 9. I I love Psalm 16. Preserve me, O God, for in Thee do I put my trust. I have set the Lord... Then moving on to 8, I believe. I have set the Lord always before me because He is at my right hand. I shall not be moved unshakable. Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices and also my flesh shall rest in hope. Well, We must realize this is a process... That requires diligence in reading and hearing His Word. It's Holy Scriptures. Like right now, be engaged in listening to the Word preached. Joel Beeke states, "For this is the means by which you are transformed, hearing the Word. It's a form of worship." Be diligent in praying, diligent in God-praising conversations, diligent in your thought life. Even Apostle Paul, learn to be content. Learned. Philippians 4.11, Paul says that he has learned to be content in all circumstances, whether in want or prosperity. It's a process. It's not going to come to you in one day. It's hard. It's hard work. Hard work. It's a process of consistently rejoicing and remembering God's goodness. But I want you to pay attention to what comes before that in in the verses 4-8, through which all of us are probably very familiar with, especially verse 8. Starting in 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. Not an easy thing to do, is it? Again, again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious in nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Let your request be known to God and the peace of God surpasses all understanding. Will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, Whatever is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. But look what Paul is describing here in verse 8 true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. You sound a little bit familiar. These are not things of this world, they can be. Yes, you may fix your mind on good things of this earth, like calming ocean waves. And I love the ocean. But it will not sustain you. You may try to feel content by fixating on a happy moment in the past. But it will not sustain you. You see, these are the attributes of our Almighty God. Paul is declaring God's abundant goodness and remains fixated upon him in all circumstances. It's learned. And this is why he can say, I have learned to be content in all circumstances. He shall not be moved. Then wrapping up some simple applications and summary. Seek to know God. Seek to know God. One. So that we may believe that the Lord is worthy to be praised always. so that we may believe that the Lord is worthy to be praised always. His greatness, his mighty works, his loving kindness, his abundant goodness, for he does no wrong, he is set apart. He is perfect, he is holy. And this drives our motivation for obedience, for doing his will. Question, for how could we know his will without knowing his word? You must be in his word especially in the time we're in the day, so much false doctrine. Tell
1: so me false heretics and false doctrines and music. Don't let your ears be tingled.
0: Two. So that we may be an immovable people staying fixated on God's goodness. So that we may be an immovable people staying fixated on God's goodness. Listen to Lamentations 3, 21 to 24. This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindness indeed, or the, the Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness.
1: The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I have hope in him. Therefore I will have hope. Three and last. Some are like <laughs> just
0: ten more points. No. Three, so that we may be a people that never forgets to declare God's awesome acts. We never forget to declare God's awesome acts. And I encourage you, mothers and fathers, I know it's hard with lots of children, especially. Grandmothers and grandfathers in this church body, to raise young people in the fear and admonition of the Lord, to raise children that eagerly shout joyfully of His righteousness. There's nothing more important. We must raise up a generation whose hope is fixed on the Almighty God of the universe and who express, express passionate enjoyment of His person and exuberant praise. And be a people that says, I will extol Thee, my God, O King, I will praise Your name forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. O God, may we be a people that will declare Your righteousness, Your faithfulness, Your loving kindness, Your goodness all of our days. May we be diligent in our prayer,
1: diligent in our conversations, declaring Your goodness. Oh God, we take for granted so so much of the the common things, the common provisions you give us. May we be a people that will stay fixated upon you. Thank you, God. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen.